and welcome to the Daft Souls podcast. My name is Matt Lees, joined by Kezia McDonald. Good morning. And Chris Bratt. Hello. Hello indeed. It's a podcast. And today it's an exciting podcast in the fact that unusually we're going to be talking about a new game. And when I say we, I mean Kezia McDonald. <laughs> the only because one. I haven't played it. Um, I didn't actually know it existed until about a week ago, so it's very exciting for me being that's, like, that's oh. That's bizarre because like, you, you are a big fan of, of this particular developer and this particular type of game. I am. There's and literally no point burying the lead because the name of the game will probably be in the yeah. title of the podcast. Sekiro? Sekiro. Sekiro, Sekiro. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's... Sekiro's shadows die twice. Okay, you can nice. tell I haven't been to any of the events because I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very video game subtitle. Shadows die twice. Yeah, it does it sound like, like a James Bond thing. Yeah, it would be a bit like Dark Souls, undead never die or something. Like that. yeah. That's a very odd thing yeah. to put on so it. So it's a game by From Software who made a yes. uh, popular game, Dark it's Souls. Mi- Miyazaki game as well. Mm. So same director as Dark Souls and Bloodborne. And it's kind of I, I literally I don't know how I didn't hear about it. I think it's because I've stopped looking at events like E3, etc. Yeah. I just don't bother with them. Uh, it's a lot of fluff. Um, but it's great because it means like my favorite devs putting out a game. And it's out like in a week, and I don't yeah. know anything about it other than it looks a bit tenchu-y. Do you think it's you- extremely? Well, from software were Tenchu's mm. original developers, so yeah. it's it's very tenchu actually. Mm. It's much more, yeah, it's much more tense. Well, no, not tense, stealthy. Well, in, in the that- tense into tenchu. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's your headline. Because be, being more tense than Dark Souls would be quite difficult. Yeah, um, but it's it's very. Um, there's, there's a lot of you can you can stealth your way through. You can climb around. There's a lot of not being seen, remaining hidden, which is not really the case in any other FromSoft games. And Bloodborne was very much as soon as you saw an enemy, it was like go go go. And Dark Souls, if you could remain hidden, it wasn't for long. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is more. It's it's a bit more creative, and it encourages you to behave like a, a shinobi ninja rather than you know a guy a with a big sword. Yes, with a sword. Yeah, like there's even like the mobility and everything is is like jumping from tree branches lots of jumping it's so weird to have a proper and... jump yeah in, oh in a from soft yeah. game I, the first thing it told me to do was jump up a cliff and i was like i don't like it yeah. it's like <laughs> no it's weird no, it's that's not what i'm doing <laughs> uh, but it's got this very very tense very samurai style combat where it's just basically two buttons you counter and you attack and as soon as you break the poise of an enemy then you can run them through so it's really sudden everything happens really quickly and uh, oh, so there's no health it's just like oh there is you do have health you okay. have health but your enemies don't really well, they don't, have poise just, yeah. um, and then some enemies like bosses you need to do more than one killing blow on them so you'll, you'll need to but they all change position they change their stance and you have to just watch out for the things that you can and can't counter and do a lot of kind of sides it's just so intense it reminds me of Bushido Blade mm. which is that <laughs> little known PlayStation 1 samurai multiplayer game where it would be like five minutes of you standing off and kind of pecking each other and eventually someone would just go for it and, and win. Yeah, or, and it ends really quickly. Yeah, it ends yeah. in seconds. And it's all the combat encounters feel a bit like that. Um, I should point out, I haven't played that much of it yet because we're, we're like a week out from, well, a few days out from review time. Mm-hmm. But I really like it so far. And it's got that kind of slight edge, that from soft edge as well, where weird shit happens sometimes. You just do weird things. I was kind of climbing under a bridge and there was this kind of huddled thing at the end and I thought it was a bird. Wasn't a bird. <laughs> Wasn't a bird. It was something else. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So then there's a kind of supernatural tinge to it. Mm. But the feel is much less dark fantasy and much more like ninja. Ninja shit. Which is great. I've been going back and playing uh, some Neo. Ah. Oh, see, okay. I, I've only played a little bit of Neo. I'd be really interested in the comparison. It's like, it's fine. Um, I, I stopped playing it after a while again because I was like, I've seen... 
everything this game has now. Um, but it's very satisfying to just have sword fights. So I'm quite excited by this uh, mm. because it sounds similar. It's very stripped down compared to Souls in that there's no equipment really. You have your sword and you have your ninja blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your ninja arm, grapple arm, and that's it. And uh, there's no at least to my knowledge at the moment there's no leveling up there's no character classes like you are this one character you have this set of moves it's much more disciplined in some ways than the kind of rpg style mm. build up your character do things so it, it does feel really different. i really like that though yeah. i actually really enjoyed a game and i can't remember if we mentioned this on the podcast before now that they're so ruddy and frequent <laughs> um i played what was it called ah uh, the messenger oh yeah, ah, yeah. yes and The Messenger was a game that came out on the Switch and other things, but I played it on the Switch and it was great. And the general premise of the game, really, it's a game that's great to just leap in and play without knowing what's going on. But the general premise is it's a game that's like aping 8-bit games. Yeah. But then there comes a point where it's like, now it's a 16-bit game. Yeah, I think you did, you did mention it briefly, but I think you, uh, you wanted to avoid you were like, you should play it because this thing happens and it's great, but I don't want to yes. tell you too much. Yeah, no, and I, I said that months and months ago. So if, if people didn't take my recommendation, then uh, <laughs> it's on you. Uh, we all make our choices. So yeah, but that's that was something that was just fascinatingly exciting to play on the basis of being like, this is a game you have very few moves. You can do this, you can do this, you can do this. And like you do unlock more, but it's just a case of like having a lot of game to go through with a very minimal move set, but that allowing you to really like master it in a way that you wouldn't in games that give you more moves and realizing that there was all sorts of finesse and all sorts of uh, technique that you could develop just with this small set of things until the point where like what I loved about that game is the fact that you would end up having areas that felt like almost super meat boy style levels of being like how the hell do I get through this and then by the end of the game it was just like oh you just do it without thinking yeah Celeste is a bit like that in that you only have a jump and a dash and it, I think you get a double dash at some point, but things that become, yeah, that's all you ever have to do. And you look at the geometry of a le- level and you just think, how How's do you, this yeah. is not. And then of course, later on, you kind of can see the way through. I loved Celeste deeply. I'm so pleased yeah, it's I've, been nominated from a, for a bunch of BAFTAs. That's I've great. Oh, yeah, check it out. It. Yeah. Mm. I kind of, I don't always, weirdly after what I've just said, don't always, I thought I don't gel with them actually. I think I'm just, I don't really have well, find the appeal to like the kind of turbo hard platformers. Like, of like like Super Meat Boy and stuff. Oh, I've just so, not really played they're, so, they're so my jam. I don't know what it is about them. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. Although I unpopularly don't like new 2D Mario. Like I, I just don't like it. What, the ones where everything looks like they're made of plasticine covered yeah. in oil? New Super Mario Brothers. I think All the of the new Super Mario Brothers games. games. I just can't so I can't ugly. get on with them and like they're they're hard, but not in a way that I find satisfying at all. It's really weird. Because I, I think like, grew up on 2D You're going to have to excuse me for a second. My dog's eating a pine cone. I'm just going <laughs> to... You, you, sorry. This is a video game podcast, and that's fine. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I found that... Um, I, I, I think those games are just ugly as hell. I, I really think the new Super Mario they aesthetic... Do, they, yeah, that really bothers me, actually, is, especially considering how beautiful the 3D Mario games are. Yes. Like, look at Odyssey, look at galaxy look and then you look at new super mario brothers and i just i just i don't know i would rather play a 2d mario i think the aesthetic is i would go as far as to say it's disgusting oh my god <laughs> wow. i think it's really wow. ugly and it Strong annoys words. me people like oh these games look nice it's like no they are tremendously ugly um crime against about art them. and <laughs> i'm gonna die on this and humanity. if you want to fight me i'll be behind the bike sheds <laughs> at seven o'clock um 
Okay, yeah, so it's, it's it's interesting to play something from From that isn't a Souls game, or Bloodborne was so like a Souls game. That's why so I, I was going to ask whether or not you think does, has this made you revisit like the definition of like what a Soulsborne game is, or is this just clearly not one of those? I don't think it's one of them. I mean, obviously, it's got the same fonts. I don't know why they're so obsessed with this one <laughs> font. It's ridiculous. Unless well, we know the fonts really are the core of the game. Yeah, I was yeah. Gonna say, when you, actually, when you boil down <laughs> that definition, that is really yeah, pretty much top it. Of list. And then it's got the kind of uh, you know you, you rest at bonfires, except they're carvings. And, you know, the enemies regenerate when you rest up. It's, it's, all that's mm-hmm. there, but there's the, the feel of it is really different. And also, there was one bit right at the beginning. Um, the first thing you have to do, you don't even have your sword, so you just have to sneak past a bunch of enemies. And it's basically going, this isn't souls. Oh, right. Okay. And uh, there's a bit where you sneak past and you're like hiding in some reeds and you, you press a button to, to eavesdrop on the guards and they're like, oh, you know, the secret entrance down by the side of the, the tower. And I was like, oh, that's not very from souls. <laughs> do you know what being told that there's a secret yeah. entrance? And that, that was a little bit like, eh, but that's not too much of a problem okay it's not got quite of the mystery of the other but actually that's fine you know i i kind of had Soulsborne fatigue i because, did as well yeah like i played you know there's a lot of games now and they're quite and also like also they're very they're very very tense games to actually play and um i think since i had kids for some reason i find it much more difficult to kind of stick with a game that's really intense in that way like i don't like it, it makes me feel nervous and unhappy Mm. Um, and I, I find that I have this problem with a lot of shooters now that they just they just make me feel kind of tense and unhappy when I'm playing them because well, they're, they're, they're too nervy, too exhausted to play them a lot. Of yeah, time, like it's... I can do it for half an hour and then I feel kind of you know worn out. Is it what well, because you you have to be concentrating so completely for that? Yeah, I think of time. it's also just I think your nerves are higher. My nerves are certainly higher most of the time now. I think it's just because mm-hmm. I've got a small child and you know <laughs> they keep That's trying to kill to themselves. Um, and so you just generally have like a slightly high, I'm just slightly more highly strung than I used to be. And so I find extremely tense games like the Souls games. I'm okay once I get into them, but like getting into them, I find much harder. So I quite like that Sekiro is not quite as intense. And those actually like could front. be uh, down to like, it could be something that changes in the future for you again, because it could be a hormonal shift thing. Because I, I think it definitely is. I definitely found that over the past few years, I've had like hormonal shifts in the fact that my thyroid stopped working properly. Mm. And that's, you know, basically for those of you who don't really know a lot about hormones, like, um, they are everything. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like making fruit punch. And if you just if you just get something wrong and you don't put like if you just pour it so it's half vodka or something, suddenly everything's a complete mess. Um, but if you basically if you've got something wrong, then everything goes wrong. Everything just so it's not like fruit punch. It's <laughs> completely wrong analogy. I'm just wheeling that one back and admitting that flat out. I'm shooting that analogy in the back of the head. It's nothing like fruit punch. It's the it opposite co- of fruit it punch. Is, it, it is a cocktail. It's in a, some ways, yeah, but like even but that, like I'll still drink it. It's if very, it's, wrong. it's very, very precise. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I obviously learned a lot about how hormones work through, you know, being pregnant and that. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's mad the extent to which hormones completely define how you feel. Like the, the reason that people get through pregnancy is because it's like being on ecstasy for half of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> your body's just like la la la, serotonin, mm-hmm. everything's fine. You can float around thinking everything's brilliant for ages. It's awesome, actually. There's wow. like there's like a bit in the middle where you're just high every day, and you wake up and you're like, ooh, what am I going to get today? And you're, you're giving this lovely. And then once the baby's born, which should be horrible, <laughs> mm. but then you get oxytocin, which is like another like really strong love drug, and you just get this again. You're just super high. And that's why you don't sleep for three weeks it actually turned out that going out and uh you know partying all night for years was very good preparation for uh (laughs) for parenthood well i think generally women are much more aware of hormones than men are of course you tend to have a kind of reminder (laughs) yeah Yeah. or even the fact that like you know a lot of the ways we've dealt with like birth control years has been like we're just gonna fuck with your hormones 
And that's going to like fix yeah. the problem, but maybe make you feel weird. But a lot of people, you know, mums and dads say that they, they can't watch certain films. You know, so, yeah. so they have kids and suddenly they're like, oh, I don't like violent films anymore. They, they have a kind of certain sh- sudden shift that they find things just a bit more difficult to take. Interesting. And I think like, in, in the video game sense, because I don't think there are that many. I mean, there are obviously there are lots of mum gamers, but mm. I don't speak to many, unfortunately, because I work in, you know, I work in games and there just aren't that many. Um, but I think that, that there's definitely this thing that happens in the same way as you suddenly can't bear sad films in which children come to harm. You can't bear really tense video games that make you really nervous. Whereas I just... love films where children come to harm. <laughs> Honestly, it's like on Netflix, I've just, I've, I get my own tab. It's like, a search. Like you've got historical children, dramas where children come to harm, uh, light peril. comedies where children come to harm. Yeah, I mean, it's a category, children in peril. British style comedies <laughs> with, with children in peril. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'd be really fascinated to hear, like, you know, in the years to come, like, if it is a permanent thing or not. I think it'll probably fade off again. Again, like, if I, if I find if I, if I get into it, it's okay, but this first half hour of me playing a high-intensity game is just unpleasant for me now. Well, I found that, like, through uh, my thyroid hormones going wrong, I found myself, same as, like, I became very high-strung a lot of the time and being, like, very anxious about everything. And again, I used to love these sort of super intense games and found that now they were just too much for me. And actually, also, like, I think that, combined with the, the oppression that it led into, just left me exhausted by it. Like... Mm. Anything emotional was just ramped up to 12. And it means like I couldn't play video games for longer than about half an hour without being like frazzled by them. It's uh, There's a really interesting game designer called Brie Code, who I've probably mentioned before mm, on this yeah. podcast. But she um, is doing she, her kind of she's been exploring a philosophy of game design where essentially the, the chemicals that uh, are primarily sorted by uh, primarily uh, the games make in you are adrenaline mm-hmm. and and dopamine. Yeah, she's so trying to combat the, that. Right? So, it's either, yeah, so it's either achievement or like stress, basically. And so she's trying to make games that are based on more of an oxytocin response, more of a kind of nice... What she has, What's the name you know, for the... Tendon she, befriend. There we go. Yeah, yeah. So instead of fight or flight response, yeah, it's tendon, tendon befriend, befriend response. Mm. And like that's what you get from Stardew Valley. Or we get you from games in which you make order mm-hmm. out of like, you know... Not, not even necessarily chaos, but you just make yeah, just things nice. just a little bit messy yeah. and you get to come in. You tidy up a farm in Harvest Moon or you, you yeah. know, get, Tetris even mm-hmm. can be quite a tender, befriendly kind of, well, actually, well, I guess, really tetris, not, tetris, <laughs> not Tetris 99. That is the most stressful game I've ever played in my life. Although I couldn't stop playing it for like a month. Oh God, I, I, had I to stop. I, I had such a big hit of uh, Tetris Effect that I, it's weird because I, I love that game so much, but I just didn't want to play Tetris 99. The, the idea of it sounded... Yeah, it's the opposite of what I want. I like, I like Tetris Effect uh, uh, enormously but i once i got to the end of it i was relieved because i'd found it quite quite stressful to play and then the idea of taking what can be a stressful game sometimes and then turning it into a battle royale thing although it's some of the levels in um in tetris effect and this is something that you know a phrase that people use and throw around all the time whenever anything's a bit like Mm -hmm. intense but some of the bits in tetris effect were like a bad trip it was incredibly intense really unpleasant Mm -hmm. bits of tetris Um, effect like only after i'd finished the level would i be like oh yeah yeah god that was a uh, what a a cool experience that was yeah um but yeah i find it fascinating this stuff of, of like having kind of the fact that you can have a very slight shift in your hormones and it can completely change uh, not just how you behave but also what you want to consume and how you mm-hmm. how you consume things like and i found that actually it's interesting like i've definitely gone through some waves in the past three or four years of of you know i had a huge obsession with the first destiny game for a short window of time relatively yeah. actually but for a short window of time like a couple of months i was just playing it all the time and it was this was when i was like you know life was very stressful anyway and i was just going to hospital all the time and then coming home and then just like playing playing destiny and that was all i did for like months but 
I found that I just wasn't interested in games in the way I was before in terms of playing things that are intense or playing lots of different things. And I was more than happy to just sort of bleed into this very relaxing loop. And I found it funny because as somebody who does what I do, being a critic, being someone who looks at design and stuff, I found myself quite disheartened by that in a way of being like... But then what I find interesting about that is... Because you could see see the system that had been been created for you there and and you didn't really like... That's the one you were leaning towards when you felt like that it was complicating the fact that it was tied into my perceptions of like my own value for my work and stuff right. of being like oh, man you're supposed to be somebody who checks out games yeah. and tells people if they're good or not or if they're interesting or why they're interesting and being like you've made some videos about destiny you've made some funny videos you've made some interesting videos but you've got nothing else to say about it right now so you should this is the point it. where you should stop playing right, it. Right, 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 but right. at this point in my life i was like no come on man you've got a lot on your plate like just give yourself a couple of months to just chill out but then i found that that didn't really go away and in the the kind of months and years that followed really I, I would still find myself checking out interesting new things but finding that increasingly I just gravitated to games which were mindless and dumb and I had nothing to say about mm-hmm. which I found is interesting but in a way as well like I do think it's led me to you know the, the conversation the talk I sort of did in Germany last year talking about like cultural complicity uh, and you can google that and see lots of Nazis have downvoted it um, <laughs> but the, the idea really the realization that like at the point at which I feel like I'm out of touch with the medium most and I have the least to say about the medium, those are the points where actually I am most in touch with the way that most people are playing games. Like the most popular games in the world are these mindless loops. And I find that whenever I am in a position where I feel exhausted and frayed and run down and unable to like do exciting high intensity things in my spare time, that's what I gravitate towards. I think it's the equivalent of just putting on Bridget Jones's diary. Because you're exhausted. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to watch the latest Oscar nominees. Yeah. You just want to watch Bridget Mm -hmm. Jones' Diary again. And that's it. (laughs) That's fine. I think it's fine. I think it's interesting. But I also think it's quite telling that like the most popular products uh, in terms of games for adults in the world are consistently now things that are just like the equivalent of just watching a salve, watching a Netflix boxer over and over again. Yeah. I don't know if you found this with with, um, Destiny. It sounds like you've been able to look at it a bit more objectively than, than I did. But I like towards... Uh, the end of last year, I think I was playing like lots of Battle Brothers, something we're going to, yeah, going to talk about at some point, Matt, I'm sure. Um, and like looking back, I was feeling pretty depressed at that point, and now I feel like looking at that game, it makes me a little uncomfortable. Um, just because yeah. it's it's weird. I I don't actually see it in the same way as Destiny because I think Battle Brothers has a lot going for it, and I I really enjoyed it. But I my relationship with that game feels kind of. Um, yeah, like tainted a little bit by it. Yeah. No, and I feel the same way. And I feel like actually um, I feel that about lots of different games in the fact that um, uh, Endless Legend is a really good example of that, actually. These oh, games yeah. that like are, I mean, I think Endless Legend is, is a pretty thin game, mm. uh, all things considered. But these games which basically are, especially it's always for me, these very clickety, pernickety PC games. And I had the same thing with Battle Brothers. I right. played I it for about- I love clickety, pernickety. <laughs> I'm stealing you. that as a phrase. I, I played it for like four days, solid. I had three or four days where I didn't do anything else and I ended up in the end having to stop because I'd hurt my neck from slouching over a table looking at a laptop <laughs> because it was, you know, tremendously addictive. But as you say, also has this depth and we'll come back and talk about that game in the future. But um, it's, yeah, I have the same thing. Like I have these games where like if I, if you say to me, like if I say to myself, Endless Legend, mm. I think, oh, beautiful music. And I have a kind of image, a third person image of me sitting in my pants in a dark room, <laughs> not really having fun, mm. but still playing for like days and days. And yeah, it's it's a horrible kind of 
taste in the mouth because yeah. you're, you're not aware when it's happening. But I think particularly for me, um, the way that I tend to like find myself getting depressed is that I become very fixated on details and trying to understand. I try to distract myself with very complicated puzzles. It's why I try to learn to code games. And like, because it's like, this is a really complicated puzzle to work on your own. But also the most com- more complicated the PC game, the better, because it means I can try and solve it. Yeah. And I think that's why it's unsatisfying, because eventually after three or four days, you crack the game. You, you've, you've broken yeah. it open. You see how it works. There's something really hollow about that, isn't there? When you when you finally kind of see the matrix code of a game yep. and you're like, oh, and I get and, and then it just ruins it for it's you done. forever. You can see mm-hmm. it. Yeah. But like that's it's weird because that's what you're doing. Like when I find them playing those games, I am trying to understand how to beat them. And Battle Brothers was the same for me. Like I got to the end of my experience with that game and I was like, I get this now. I've seen it all. I'm done. And it was just like an immediate thing where to go from a game like the difference now with uh, with me playing Neo and being in maybe a better better position than I was of right. being like, I think I've seen all the enemies. I'll see what the next level looks like. And then being like, nah, I'm done with this now. To being like, going from like, yep, yep, loveless, 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 to immediately being like, I'm done. Yeah, I'm done completely. I'm completely done. I'm, I've gone from loving this game and being obsessed with it to I don't think I'll ever play this game again. I, said, I had this, that is how I would describe... Yeah, my time with Battle Brothers as well. We should definitely talk about that uh, later, just because it it's re- it's alarming how how quickly the shift happens. Like it's like it a is. spell being lifted, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it really is, and mm. it, and it's destructive in a way. And I think it it's it's um and I think it's one of the reasons. And this is you know really going into kind of it's sort of inside baseball, but um, but also kind of personal stuff in terms of like it's one of the biggest struggles I've had with with trying to do what I used to do. Um, over the past few years, really, of being like increasingly, I've found that when I'm not in a good state. Uh, I either just want to play mindless games that I have nothing of interest to say about, mm-hmm. or I play these intensely complicated things that end up then having very weird feelings about and being like, you know, and you, you look back at some of the videos I've made over the past few years, lots of the times I'll be like, I love this, I'm obsessed with it, but also it left me feeling really hollow. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's it's interesting. It's It's an odd one, especially if you're somebody who is creating media and creating criticism and creating that sort of stuff. Um, I kind of feel the conflict with me as being like, yeah, but in a way, Matt, like you're playing these games. You've been playing these games from the perspective of somebody who is depressed. There are loads of people out there who are depressed playing games. So that's is, that an in- is that not a worthwhile and interesting yeah. angle? But on the other half of it, it's like, yeah, but when you make this work, you put something of yourself into it. Mm-hmm. And do I really want to be spending hours and hours carefully honing and refining and uh, mass producing and sending out like a product that is just my depression, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's really odd. But I do think this is why there's such a lot of writing on depression and anxiety and video games is because pe- people do feel this urge to, to piece to, something together to, to find to find a to find a way of expressing the, the the relationship between the way that you're playing a game and the way that you're feeling is is very I think unique for every person. Well, I think it makes sense that they are like they are very intensive things that you can spend a lot of time doing on your own, and they are very all-consuming and. They're, they're basically the fact that they're enticing but they're also addictive and mm. it's unsurprising that people who are not having a great time end up gravitating towards them but i think people also are very keen to try and decode what it is that's so absorbing about a game when you're in a not great state well i think that's the positive side of it but i also i'd say as from a more cynical perspective that like a lot of the reasons we have lots of people writing about uh, their experiences with mental health and games is that like we're, we're all brought up in a society in which we're constantly trying to monetize anything and everything we do and <laughs> trying to be like uh, well i feel like crap how but i need to do my job yeah. so i guess money. i'll have to yes. write about how i feel like crap which is like 
And I mean, I guess I got there, but in the end, I didn't want to do that. What I loved about um, making stuff and sharing things was about the joy behind it and about the passion. And uh, when you lose that and you can't find it, it's, uh, it's quite hard to know what to do. I tend to find it again in Nintendo games. It's always a Nintendo game that lifts me right. I remember the first time I ever thought I'm done with video games, they're stupid, was just before Wind Waker came out. I was maybe 13 or 14. And uh, I was just really bored. I was like, I've played games now. I'm done yeah, with them. I've and them. I, yeah, I've, I've figured games out. And, you know, the kind of brutal truth is that certainly back then and to an extent now, games aren't that complicated. <laughs> and especially as a teen, I spent a lot of time trying to intellectualize video games. Mm. They're not that, they weren't that smart, a lot of them. Most of them. I think the canary. In Occasional the, ones were. I think the canary in the coal mine for me was when I played for review at Video Gamer, uh, Rayman Legends, and I was like, mm, "This game is not as joyful and fun as the first one." And you know what? I think it was. Yeah, it's just that you'd already <laughs> I played think it. It's yeah. just that it wasn't even that. I think it's just that when I played Rayman Origins, I was in a really great top of the world thing, and by that point, I was kind of frazzling myself yeah. out. And yeah, well, you know, as a teen, that was the first. Like, I was expecting too much of games. I was expecting them to be infinitely fascinating, which you know, nothing is infinitely fascinating. Yes, games can change the world. They can change how we view our perception on humanity. Everyone will play them and be embedded. Boy, it. embettered, <laughs> embettered. I love it. I'm keeping that as a word as well. <laughs> I um, think that might be a Homer Simpson one. I don't know. <laughs> That's embiggened. Yeah, embiggened yeah, yeah. is the classic. But yeah, the uh, the first time I ever thought I'm just done with these. I've played games now. Was was and then Wind Waker came out and made me feel great. And I find like very often when I'm in a bit because you go through dips, don't you? Mm -hmm. You play games. Sometimes they're less interesting to you. It's not even necessarily mm -hmm. that games are bad that year. It's just that you're a place where it's not that interesting to you for that moment. And mm -hmm. then it tends to come back. And for me, it is usually a Nintendo game that's like mm. Breath of the Wild was a big one. Yeah, I think Breath of the Wild for me like really landed. But I find I found especially over the past few years, more often than not, I've been playing these games where I'm like, I kind of know in the back of my mind, like a few years ago, this would have been magical to you. But now I feel nothing. <laughs> and you feel really crap. It's like you then be like, oh, I guess I'll just play another mobile phone game. You're like, you what know, is going on? <laughs> just something that's come back recently that i really enjoyed is trials did you ever play trials yeah god yeah i, I absolutely loved it. i haven't uh, played what's the is it rising, rising? Yeah. yeah the thing about trials rising i've seen you getting annoyed with bits of it oh uh, it's the thing is that it's trials which is great but then it's got all this shitty monetization oh crap. no they've plants versus zombies really they? they have they, they yeah, just put every, every this. There's loot crates all the time you're always yeah. you're always winning crates of nonsense and there's like four thousand stickers that you unlock through your crates oh. and just random drops and you're supposed to customize your stupid rider with your extreme the things the fashion is so bad like it's in <laughs> such bad taste that like i can't find anything i even want to wear you know, I'm wearing currently a flame shirt and a hat with a hat with horns on it. I'm just like, oh, for God's sake, I mean, yeah. it's so lame. And yeah, so all of that sucks. But the game's but great. The, yeah, well, yeah. I, <laughs> the game's still really good. The level design is amazing. It looks just brilliant. I it's this such an intensely frustrating, but yeah, brilliant, satisfying game. Thing with Plants vs Zombies was like it, it, it's called just like Trials. It's like one of the leaders in its genre, I think, like Plants vs. Zombies is an amazing the first game tower defense game. Fantastic. Yeah. And then they made the second and the, that core was, was still there somewhere, but it was just covered in unlocks and uh, like bonuses. And like, basically it was, back then it was less to do with loot boxes. It, it was more to do with like uh, buying cards to use in mobile games and things like that. And like special power-ups. And it was such a shame. It oh, took, I mean, I didn't even play the second game because yeah. I read about it and was like, nope. Yeah. But the first one was incredible. It's, yeah. it's, it's just, yeah, it's, it's frustrating because like all that stuff is ignorable because it doesn't affect the actual video mm -hmm. game that you're playing. But, you know, you sort of 
you know, scouring this map for different icons. I'm like, I just want a list of levels. Yeah. It's freaking trials. I just want to work through a list of levels and challenges. I don't, I don't need three different contracts that give me different sub challenges that give me different three. There's got three currencies. It's trials. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't need three currencies. <laughs> yeah. Madness. Oh, so, but yeah, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling a bit, a bit down about, about, like everything that I once loved is getting to this point now where yeah. it's being just really relentlessly squeezed. And, and I do kind of get the, the general backlash against the sort of invasive monetization that's everywhere because mm-hmm. I'm starting to get really tired of it, even though I don't need to participate in it. It's just, yeah, just it being there feels like it's taken something away. Yeah. I, and it's, it's weird that because well, it's I mean, not also logical. Like, it's one of those arguments where the more I see it looping around, the more it's just completely untenable. And the fact that it's like people saying, Oh yeah, but you know, you don't have to spend any money on this stuff if you don't want to. And I used to say this sometimes about some things, but I increasingly realized that like that that's true. It's like, hey, this stuff is here, but you know what? Like most people won't even ever buy it. And it's like, well, why is it there? Well, because a very small percentage of the population is incredibly uh, susceptible to addictive things and they'll give us loads yeah. of money. And it's so, like, well, yeah, so, what, so it's just there to ensnare some <laughs> vulnerable people? Yeah, it's definitely it's like, ethically an issue. But then also the fact is like there is in all art, you have to pair stuff down. Like there's, there's a, there's a, the last Tomb Raider really pissed me off because it was like a, a fairly good Tomb Raider game. It had lots of problems, but the actual playing of the game was fine. But then you'd go to a freaking vendor and they'd have eight different types of slightly different looking rifle and you'd be like oh for fuck i don't care and it, it actually ruins your immersion because you're I, like hang yeah. on why would she be in a mayan city and why would there be a vendor here with eight different types of ak in this supposedly untouched civilization like yeah. why, why would she be selling different colors of freaking I, ammo it stock? just makes you think like i i want to know what the art director of tomb raider thinks about this right, right. now because they, the, they like that can't be fun costumes she had all these bloody costumes it's like and it, it makes the whole game ridiculous. If you run partly having like white aristocratic Lara running around in like feathers shooting natives mm. is a bit like oh no, but then <laughs> <laughs> but then also it just visually looks ridiculous to have her this ridiculous headdress. You're like, what are you doing? It ruins the whole game for me. I know it's supposedly cosmetic, but it's so dumb. Yeah, uh. no, it's it's uh, it's a bit grim. I think to be honest, like my benchmark it's, it's like it doesn't it's not a phrase that really makes any sense but i always think now what i love in modern game design is well not modern game design even i call it like three star design three star because like i love absolutely love these steam world games oh i just mm. played steam world my first steam world game when oh, i was i was ill in, in january and i steamworld dig 2 nice. i've just downloaded steam world heist steam world heist is people love that shit. incredible yeah. yeah i'm really looking forward and what to i love it. about steam world heist is the fact that it's a game with different guns you can buy and unlock and find and with different things you can get and different types of characters you can play as and level up. But because there's no, like, fluff, there's no over-excessive stuff, you're never, like, thinking, oh, should I use this machine gun or this machine gun that's slightly better? Everything is different. Everything has a reason to exist in terms of equipment and stuff. And because there's the missions are purely just balanced by the difficulty that you choose... It means you, it's a game where you can go through and just try and get three stars on all the missions. Yeah. And you know that when you've got the three stars, yeah, yeah, the game has been balanced to make that a fun difficulty. Mm-hmm. And you never have the question of like, yeah, but is this artificially harder because they want me to buy yeah. something? Yeah. So this is why, this is is why the, the, the min-maxing looter shooter genre, I mean, I think Anthem's killed it off, honestly, because it's just really laid bare the like quite pathetically basic mechanics that are underneath all of these loot shooters it's just you know it's just different numbers on guns I think it's like, gonna it's not gonna be emperor's new clothes though, is it everyone's banging to division two i'm sure yeah well that's the, the other thing we, we put so we put our um we had a edwin 
Evans Thurwell, I can never pronounce his name, I'm sorry, Edwin, review The Division 2 for us. Oh, wonderful. And uh, it got two stars from us. Yeah. You know, it's getting, you know, eights from the games publications um, or, you know. But the thing is that the review was just like, this is a completely mercenary. Yeah. <laughs> like, fully valueless. Like, it's it's fun, but what does that mean when you're basically recreating a society that's already, like, basically... The U.S. is already a society predicated on violent enforcement of boundaries, and what they've done is just recreate that. Yeah, but in a video game, and it's Desert, something, it's something scary about Stop. it. You've 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 misinterpreted <laughs> this. I've I've read the interviews. It's not a political game. Yeah. They said that, didn't they? So I really, yeah, I really it did. Must, they did say it. <laughs> I, re- I really I really enjoyed the review because it was um it was it was a very convincing take on just you know and a different take on on. It, was, it, was, it wasn't denying that it was fun, but it was like, yeah, but it's, it's uncomfortable and mercenary. And I'm yeah. like, yes. You know, it's really interesting to read that that perspective because a lot of the time, even if you get like a flavor of that perspective in review, it'll be like, oh, but it's still fun. So, and I do that myself. Yeah. Like I catch myself doing it. You know, I try not to so much these days, but I catch myself being like, this game kind of is really gross and it makes me feel uncomfortable and thematically it's weird and maybe ethically it's not that great, but it's really fun. Yeah. So three stars, you know, it's very easy to sort of fall into I that. I feel passing. like in a way um, you start bumping into the same uh, well, you should start bumping into the same question of like, you know, separating the art from the artist of being like, that's a classic thing of being like, yes, you know, this pop star probably abused loads of kids, but didn't they put out some bangers? But obviously mm. like, you know, Gary Glitter has a, no, like this is the thing is it's like, it's a weird how we don't ask these questions about certain things. Like if someone had a pretty good back catalog, it's like, oh yeah, but maybe we should separate it. Nobody is, is arguing. Somebody pointed out to me the other day, nobody is arguing that we should be putting Gary Glitter songs back on the radio. Mm. Cause like nobody really cares. Um, and there's that question of value, but then also in today's media climate, this whole like ruffling of feathers of going, yes, but shouldn't we appreciate the art and forget about who made it? It's like, well, there's so much art. <laughs> like, there's so much art that you just play a different song. You just play, and this is the this, thing with games. The thing. You can just, you just, can just play, play a different one. game. You, if, you, if you don't like it, you can play it. If, you don't, if it makes you uncomfortable, you can just play one of the many other games yep. that's yeah. right there. And if it's, you do like it, fine. It's not fine. like, it's not like it's like, oh, Smash Brothers is deep problematic but you're like yeah but there's only there's only smash brothers really like there's nothing there's nothing else that is like smash brothers really it's like the division too like if it's politically repugnant and crap then just play like anything i I completely get that this stuff doesn't bother a lot of people and that's fine but it it actually kind of does bother me now Mm -hmm. because i'm a grown-ass woman and I think about things like this, and it, it bothers me. It bothers me quite. Deeply. And you know, I find a lot of the loot shooters are bothering me on a quite deep level now. Yeah. And uh, but you know, that's that's fine. It's well, like- I think this politically ugly stuff, as well as is like it does, it does bother me. It doesn't, it doesn't offend me at all. It bothers me because we, yes, we're exactly. seeing quite clearly now that it's like the world is quite evidently being influenced by unchained popular culture in a way which is terrifying and for ubisoft to just be continually throwing fuel onto a fire whilst going it's not petrol <laughs> it's like guys fuck off yeah. it's weird isn't it because um it's been a deeply when, sweary episode. when you look at the swear i'm sorry it's i've been reminded recently that we look at ubisoft as as like the fun publisher that because they do the cookie I haven't for years the, to be yeah. fair. Like, okay. for about three years i've been like fuck those well guys. they did well I, I i sometimes like they do the 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 cookie um like press conferences uh like they get Antil Vasura, the guy who creates trials comes on and falls over and i think that's great and i think it's very human and they have Davide Saliani, all that kind of stuff. Rabbids, rabbids stuff is yeah. The rabbids Mario stuff was amazing and heartwarming, etc. They've been but better you, with you, diversity in terms of their who does presentations, etc. Exactly. Yeah. Like, so there's a lot to like there. But Ubisoft refuses to make a comment about um, the division or Far Cry Five, mm. and EA, who is the the bad publisher, right? That's the one that we don't like. Is 
is it seems to be one of the only ones drawing a line when it comes to like Battlefield yeah, Five and I, saying, saying if you don't do- like this, if you don't like the women in, women in this game, don't play it. I, I would do. Imagine Ubisoft saying anything close to that at the moment. No. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. You know, I, 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 it's very difficult to judge publishers, isn't it? Because they they generally, I mean, they're corporate and, mega things. Yeah, and, and they have so many. They contain multi. I mean, in the last month alone, I'm trying to think of. I, I was wondering if I've, if I've gone off Ubisoft games lately. Um, but then I really, really enjoyed Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and I really loved mm-hmm. Trials, and I didn't like Far Cry Five. And, and, and there wasn't thousands of people two. involved with that company, and, 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 and yeah, I, I, I just mean as a as a corporate structure. Like, I feel like there's almost like there's a there's got to have a personality with yeah. your corporate structure, isn't it? I feel like there's through, almost some opposites. Line. Like there are, there are problems within EA with like mm-hmm. within corporate structures, in the same way there are problems in any big corporate companies. Like, but apparently, you know, that from the grapevine, it sounds like there's there's like you know some ugliness there as well. Well, but, the thing that really red flag for me about this is very inside baseball but with EA is Patrick Zuderland who was one of the original developers of like the Battlefield mod you know he's a real developer guy and he was EA's VP of I can't remember what he was he was very exec but he was the guy who did the EA Originals program and he's very much behind original games and Mm -hmm. he's a dev dude you know and he was they kept him on forever but then they paid him a bunch of money not to leave like they paid him a couple million to stay a few years ago and then he left anyway and that's when I thought, oh boy, <laughs> like, what is going on at EA that's making Patrick Zodolo want to leave A? And then I'm also making him leave despite being paid a bonus specifically not to leave. It's like there's something going on there. Yeah, I don't know. But I feel like um, it's odd with, with Ubisoft. They, they make so many of the right noises and, and in terms of like, you know, even like the, actually they're great in terms of diversity and hiring and stuff. And in terms of like you look at their social media, look at their marketing teams, like they're good at it. But then there's just clearly some rot in the developers. And then that's an unusual one because usually it's the way that like developers care and then the companies are just cold and mean. I think it's just really, really hard to make thematically consistent video games. Yeah. Like yeah. I honestly think that even if you do have every, if every, even if every single person involved has a really strong vision and good intentions, it's really, really hard to pull together, especially with Ubisoft does it with five studios. At the same yeah. time It's so though, hard like... to pull together anything consistent. That's why I think Ubisoft games sometimes lack that kind of real vision because it feels lots of things feel kind of cobbled on, cobbled together. For me, this started with Assassin's Creed Three, which was such a weird game. Like but some bits of it were I, amazing. See, I don't, I don't. I, I, I'm I not get, saying it's an excuse. No, it's no, an no, explanation, no. not an excuse. It is an explanation, but I think I think it doesn't really fit with these guys because it's like they've been criticised for like three or four years now about what they've been doing with the political angle of all of their shooter games, mm-hmm. and they just deny it and do it again, but worse. And for them to come out with a division after all of the criticism they've received for the previous titles, but then Watch Dogs was pretty dead on politically. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. and But this is what kind of, I think they get away with it. And this is why I feel like in a way, and this is where I go full on lefty, but I feel like <laughs> I feel like Ubisoft is like properly video game liberalism and the fact that like they just think we can do a bit of everything. Everyone's mm-hmm. happy. And the fact that it's unbelievable that, you know, the, the Far Cry spin-off game that just came out is like super right on. And everyone's like, yeah, this is great. This new game's really woke. And it's like, and it's like, they're playing you there the kotaku review of that was amazing because it's half of the review is about far cry new dawn and the other half is how far cry new dawn complicates your relationship with far cry 5 yeah of course and it's like oh this is just you know a lot of i find you know i'm very biased about kotaku obviously i've worked with them for years love them but you know a lot of the times i'll be reading a kotaku review by especially heather alexandra and i'll find like the review most reviews will stop and then hers will just keep going. Like about halfway through the review, I'll be like, I have read the review. And then she'll just go deeper, one level deeper. And I'll be like, yes, this is what I needed. This yeah. is what I she's, wanted. She's fantastic. And you um, know, they, they have the luxury of space. One thing I really miss from working at, you know, specialist games is that you have the space to do that. Like mm-hmm. you can write a normal review and then just write 2000 more words. And mm-hmm. um, whereas obviously in a newspaper, you get 
500, you got pages. 500 yeah. to 800 words and that's it. And you have to try and give someone the essence of something in that, in that many words. It's quite hard. But it feels, I mean, it doesn't feel, it feels entirely calculated to me now. It feels like they're an arms dealer, basically. They're I just like I'm selling a, guns to everybody. I think I'm a smidge more generous, but I do completely see your point. I think after the Division 2, I've got like, my, my generosity has reached like absolute rock bottom. Like, and I think it's the fact that they can, they can keep getting away with it by being terrible and then bringing out a smaller game that's always marketed a hell of a lot less. It's always like a side thing that they know the games press will pick up on. And it's just that thing of like, you know, you were saying about how the end of a review, you do that thing of being like, oh, but it's still fun. Yeah. Right. They know that the games press are inherently on side with them. And so all they need to do is put out some small title that basically gets no marketing budget and won't get many adverts or anything like that. But they know that it gives us the rationale that we feel we need to go, oh, no, it's not so bad. It happened the other I feel like it's so bad. <laughs> it happened the other way around with Assassin's Creed, didn't it? The last one where they had a, you know, the, the, the main game, everybody oh, was super. Yeah, and then they, they released, they completely flubbed the, the DLC. They made, I haven't played it, but they made a DLC in which you had to have a baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Having made a game in which you could be gay if you wanted, yeah. in which you could, you know, whatever. And so they, they kind of made this really weird. so much for that as well. Like yeah. that was, that was what, I've, what I've read more than anything else about that game is is how well they handled that stuff. Yeah, and then they go and do a DLC that's like, oh, you have to have a baby. So you have to get into a relationship with someone of the opposite sex firstly, but then they didn't even contextualize it as like, they have oh, a- well, I have to continue my bloodline. I'd better just... It's just, it's they did, really flubbed they it. They updated it somehow, right? So they did, but like, apparently it's even worse. Oh apparently God. the updates made it even worse. Okay. I'm not sure how. <laughs> I think the update might have done what I just said and been like, oh, well, I need to carry on my bloodline, so I'd better do this, nice. which is like, no. And you just came up with on the fly. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> But it is funny, like, that's just the other way around. I, I really enjoy, I, I I always want to enjoy Assassin's Creed games more than I do, because I love history and shit. I'm mm-hmm. a big nerd for Greece, big nerd for Egypt, but I find the games annoying to play. Like, I don't like the kind of fussy climbing and or the combat. But I always I always end up, I always end up sinking about 20 hours into the minimum anyway, even though, like, I actually, the, the, the experience of playing them I don't enjoy, I just love everything else about them. I love the second one, and nothing else has grabbed me since, really. I haven't really played them in a long time, to be honest, but I find them, there's something so floaty about them that I find myself yeah. feeling like I'm not really playing, and I sort of, like, stop looking at them. Three ruined things for me for a long time, because I got it wrong. I was at a review event for that. I was locked in a hotel room for five days to play Assassin's Creed 3, and I got the review wrong. I got it wrong. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you're in a torture yeah. situation. Yeah, <laughs> and it was literally, I felt, I felt brainwashed by it. You know, I didn't, I wasn't singing its praises too unreservedly, but I definitely, you know, I, I knew there was something wrong with it, but I couldn't figure out what it was because I was so like, ugh. Mm. And it was so stressful having to, having to write those IGN huge reviews to these tough deadlines. It really I mean, I to, say it's like a torture situation, but in a way it's like, well, you're locked in a kind windowless room with a you're game that you're not allowed to leave. You're locked in a windowless room with a gigantic TV and a 5.1 sound system, which is tremendously sound. Is, is, is it that different from being played like like Bob Geldof songs repeatedly until you tell everyone that, yes, it was oh, you man. that did the thing? And back then as well, they'd like, literally have bouncers making sure that nobody was leaving yeah, so right. that the code was safe and everything. Oh, and it was, we, God. I've never yeah. been to one of those events, thankfully. They don't really I, do them anymore, thank God. No, but they were sort of left. They, they were, were just intense. In, they were really, really, really stressful. I know that I know writing about video games, blah, 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 but it is really stressful. In that situation, yeah, it felt really bad. I'll no, be it was weird. I mean, the thing, especially with those, is that often they would take you. Um, it's interesting looking back on it because now it's just so obvious. I mean, it was pretty obvious at the time, but it's like, yeah, you'd have to go to this secure location, and you'd have to like, if you left the room, then you'd have to. They'd have to check that you hadn't taken the code anywhere, etc., mm. etc. Not quite pat you down, but nearly. <laughs> yeah, uh, but then also the fact that they usually take you to a hotel like somewhere out of town, so you couldn't just pop back to the office or be like, "I'm done," right. and they'd like take you somewhere like far away in the countryside. So it was sort of like. 
you were sort of trapped there and there was nothing to do. It's a gilded cage situation. Yeah, mm. gilded cage. So you were within this place. There was nothing else to do. You couldn't go back because you were like in the middle of nowhere. And so like you could take breaks whenever you want. You didn't have to sit and play the game. But then like this was like, you know, you just, what would you do? You yeah, didn't have anything to do. It? So you just like, you maybe pop to the, the hotel bar and have a coffee or something. But then you'd be like, well, I, I guess I'll get back to it. But then because also then you're in this hotel where the only other people really there are the people who made the game or PR the game. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, they bring the developers to these events and it's so awkward. So then you're like, you just, anytime you're out of your room, you're sitting there and you've got people being like, trying to hit you up for early impressions or talking to you about the game mm. and basically trying to influence you. But then like, you had to be almost conspiratorial. It felt like you were in a kind of, a kind of like prison of like whispering to other people reviewing it and being like I don't think it's very good <laughs> and then being like I know and then someone going hey guys how's it going how are you getting on with the single player campaign you're like fine <laughs> absolutely fine but oh. you also like if you talk to the other reviewers you ended up with this like odd consensus yeah, you, yeah. it you was didn't very, want to do that like. it was a very messed up way of, of reviewing video games I only ever did it a couple times for, for like those again those big kind of IGN style you know, they got to be up on embargo date. It's really important. Huge review. This is the most... I remember sitting there having reviewed Grand Theft Auto V, which was the single worst experience of my life, just after Dark Souls. Right, the single yeah. worst review... I should say review experience. Obviously, worse things have happened to me than having <laughs> yeah, to play Grand Theft Auto like, V for a week. If anyone is rolling their eyes at this point, like all of this is with like a huge pinch yes, of salt. This is, within, this is, this is, yeah, jokes, this like. is just the worst <laughs> review I've ever had to do because it was, it was just so stressful. It was the biggest review of the decade probably yeah it's stressful yeah. especially because you know you're going to get a lot of crap for it if you get oh, god, it wrong yeah. if, or even I'm, if you get it right you get a lot of crap yeah. you know it doesn't mean like it, yeah, if, if really it's win. a big outlet you get crap from whoever you know and I actually still I love Grand Theft Auto 5 I think it's amazing um, and you know there was I just thought it was great. And I, I got crap for not being right on enough and not being kind of daring to, to puncture it. And I'm like, but it's, I just really, really think it's good. If you I like think it, it's you really like good. it. Yeah. And, and then the other way around, of course, you know, if you don't like something, you just, you don't like it. Yeah, I thought it was rubbish, but then that's why they had such a careful file on me that I'd never be allowed to any of those events ever. <laughs> it's, it's, it's happened to get, we, I, I think just we discussed. Go. It sounds really bad. I don't, well, I, I mean, it, was, it wasn't an event. I was in my house. Oh, okay. Right. But the, so there's oh. that bit in Grand Theft Auto five, the, the torture scene bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I physically could not play that. I thought it was so disgusting. Um, and I couldn't do it. Like, mm. I couldn't do it. So I was like. should have done a thing like Nintendo where Mario come does it for you or something. Yeah. That'd be nice. <laughs> what the clips on the clips? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Wow. <laughs> what the board? <laughs> this little cat suit Mario turns up. Yoshi with wings just <laughs> turns up. I sometimes think that, like, when we were at Video Gamer, that is, you probably would have made that video as well. Like, I really would have, yeah. Mm. Without thinking about it. Yeah, maybe it it's good that we. <laughs> we <laughs> yeah, like, you know, there was, it was very much in the, the depths, the hot depths of content creation. There's, there's a there is a mindlessness here we've seen now that this road leads to hell but there is some mindless joy of just making a video every day and not thinking about it at all having mm. an idea and picking up a camera and making it yeah it leads you down a horrible path as we can see <laughs> with the world uh, exhibit a but um yeah it's, it's fun but yeah I, I could not play that scene because i just really objected to it and so i was stuck in my own house by myself for an hour nothing to do but just talk walking around like and, I'm, and it was this horrible situation where i was sitting there thinking like why am i why am i do i was really questioning my life choices mm. like why am i in this situation where i have to do this horrible torture scene that i don't agree with i really wanted to do like a full piece on how bad that torture scene was but it was it was not permitted oh, really? no probably having bosses it can mm -hmm. be tricky but yeah i mean that's the thing is that thing like why would you do this it's like yeah, you work it's gotta do it it's yeah. just yeah, in the end of the day i was like it's work and i just kind of grabbed my teeth and did it even though i found it really repugnant thing to do um, but yeah, it's it's just you know, playing game. This so this is my partner's entire job. His job is to go to hotels and play games for four straight days, 
except the games are broken. They're not even finished. Yeah, and to and work like, out. Yeah. I could not do that. I couldn't. No. I would go insane if that I get were bored my playing finished games after about an hour sometimes. Yeah. Like, he, he has a real ability to just. He also has an amazing ability. He's, he should have been a QA guy, really. Although you could just find the problems. He's, he breaks games in an instant. Like, whenever we play a game together, within 20 minutes, he'll find a way to fuck it up like we were trying That's to play fun. it's really good we were, we were trying to play the first fallout because i'm obsessed yeah. with, the, with the first two sometimes fallout if games. you keep breaking games they break you Heza. <laughs> they break you we were trying to uh, play the first fallout and we were in like the first there was a bit where you had to you know shoot a few rats and pick up a good gun fucking gun he couldn't pick it up just couldn't pick up the gun it would not work he clicked on it and you couldn't pick up I'm like how have you done this wow. how do you always oh, do I this oh i thought you meant like he was like jumping up against every wall to try and glitch through it or something it's just like he, li- he literally does- by picking up the controller the game ceases to work. Some, like, he always finds like he'll like. Oh, what happens if we go over? Oh, the game crashes. And I'm like, oh, because I would just, I would just not go. Like, Don't do it. He's got that um, '80s gamer thing, the My Lucas Arts, the Lucas Arts like adventure game thing, where it's you click on everything, you you rub yeah. yourself up against every wall. So it's quite absurd sometimes watching him play like the last of us and he's like pressing a on all the walls and you're like you don't need to do this in this <laughs> game like, it's okay you're right it's 2012 like, i mean my, my brother is to. absolutely that person i remember like the, the era of like 3d um adventure games that was like pc games it's like 3d adventure combat explore world and it was like the amount of times i walked in the first episode was how did you get up there yeah exactly <laughs> Just, yeah. he'd always be like on a mountain or on top of a castle yeah. he's like i don't think i'm supposed to be up here like, how did you do it he's like i just spent an hour like just trying to jump up a wall until oh. it worked yeah God. it's not it, for me it would i would be so bad at that job of you know i'd be no, so bad at qa i'd be so bad at like product evaluation in that way the brainwashing like, thing is quite apt though like in terms of like i was always quite struck myself whenever i was reviewing things of not um talking to other people about what i was reviewing not looking at what other people had said about things and just trying to form my own opinion as 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 much as i could really you know you, you can never have a complete perfect uh cage but you do your best but are those things like i would i would more than ever really question myself because it's just like you didn't have time to think mm. just like 12 hour days of playing a game and then yeah. going to sleep and waking up and and trying to avoid talking about it or thinking about it because you were always in earshot of people that God. you would have to i remember it was a call of duty game where i did have to whisper to uh my friend martin gaston of just being like is it me or is this like really quite bad? And he's like, yes. I'm like, oh my God, thank God. It's like, you're it kind of quite feel, relieved. You're going insane. Especially like, if it's like a big game and you're like, is this bad? Yeah, I remember I had that with really Far Cry. I had that with Far Cry 5 when I was playing that. I was like, I think this might be dreadful. Mm. And then it got a bit better, but I was still like, I just, this isn't good. It's not good. Like it's, it's at the best acceptable. I'm just trying to think of what it'd be like to be one of the developers at one of these events where you like, Oh, I feel, I feel I, for that must I, be terrible I, for them as well. I like second guess literally everything I do physically with my body. I like, am I going to trip over and embarrass myself? Am I like, am I feeling comfortable in this situation? Imagine being someone that made the game, everyone else is playing and you know that they're going to, they're going to have this massive impact on your life, but you, you wouldn't want to, like overdo it right you wouldn't want to overstep you wouldn't want so to be like be... on your knees like i've given yeah. five years of my life but then like game. i'd probably just avoid talking about the game altogether yeah. which would be weird for everyone involved and i then... wouldn't want to be there <laughs> yeah. i'd just be like i don't care i don't want to do, I don't want to do this <laughs> and they're so enthusiastic it'd be like imagine writing a book and then having to sit on the couch and watch somebody read it oh my god that would be that's yeah. my personal hell can you imagine <sighs> no thank you. except sometimes they turn over a page and break it somehow and you're like oh no that or you like well, see, sometimes you I see feel a like, frown come across their face and you're like oh shit <laughs> it's, it really sucks sometimes to not even have the enthusiasm and it wasn't even like oh this is awkward because it's bad but I remember actually at that same event it was um it was one of the Treyarch Call of Duties and it was like they were demoing the 
the kind of like zombies mode and the devs were there and some of the devs who were setting up the zombie mode for us were clearly like so excited to show it to us mm. and so in love with it and you know what like i never got that like i never got the Treyarch zombie bit of those things mm -hmm. but i 100 accept that they were weird and shonky and that people who loved it loved it yep. there was something about that that was magic and there was one of those perfect like storms of it being like a developer having so much love and so much fun for this particular mode and the audience just like loving it and they were so excited to be shedding setting it up and showing it us and i was just like i don't get this and i don't care and like i i can't even really quite understand why people like it but i just felt like a it's like going to church and not believing in god you know you're like oh, oh, i, I think shouldn't having, be here having to play games in front of the people who made them is is just always awful actually unless you already know you really like it yeah you know but even then that's oh that god. creates a weird set up because you like if you really like something you don't want to give, give too much of that across because you want to remain professional yeah, if you're interviewing if you're, them if you're and, reviewing, but you know I, th I think if you're the kotaku have done a few things where i'm um, sorry not kotaku i'm talking about ign have done a few things where the dev is sitting playing a game with you know a, a personality and they sit and they play the game together and talk about it and that's really oh, sure, cool yeah sorry that's i thought nice. we were talking about like the yeah the review reviews setup. Awful, yeah awful outside idea. of that of course. or like previews as well actually are really awkward like you know e3 the poor guys standing up having done the same presentation 400 times and they're like please like my game please give it some attention is essentially what all of those presentations are yep and it's so it's i just i really feel for them it must be dreadful i think the most awkward experience of my life was actually um at gdc when someone came up to me with a small card game that they've made for um like young children and families and um, they basically said, oh, you know, can I show you, can I show you the, my game I've made? And I was like, oh, I don't know. We don't really, you know, don't really tend to do unsolicited demos of things, et cetera. And he was like, oh, it's, and he just, he kind of wouldn't let it drop. And it was like, he was like, it's so short. It's really quick. It's this, these cars and it, it just takes like five minutes to learn. Please like, just let me show it to you. And I was like, oh. in the end, I was like, oh, okay, sure. Yeah. Okay. And then he just sat down and he explained me the rules. And then I just sat there nodding and looking at him and nodding, nodding and looking until I realized that that was the end of the rules and there were no more rules. And it was just this intensely awkward thing because it was clear by the look on my face. It was like, I was expecting there to be more rules. And it was just this thing of him going, oh, it's really simple. You know, and I was like, oh, right. Yeah. And it was just, it was My awful. toes are curling my toes. It's just this thing of me being like, there's no way of me hiding now the fact that that is the, what you've just explained to me is like, it's not enough. It's not, a, it's not and it was like, this is why you don't do this. <laughs> like, I don't want to break your heart, but you shouldn't be bringing your heart on to me on a tiny china platter and giving me a hammer. Like, exactly. why have you done this? I'm not a nice man. <laughs> right? You've put us in this situation. Like, being a good critic means, like, hitting things with hammers and seeing what happens. Why have you given me your heart? <laughs> God's sake. Anyway, I didn't want to think about that. No. Wow. Well, no, I'm thinking, I thinking about that. that yeah. guy probably thinks about that once a week. Oh, I know. <laughs> so I know. It's like, oh. don't do it. It's not fair. Uh, we, used to, we used to do these things at GDC where people would just come and show us their stuff. Like we'd, we'd set ourselves up in somewhere in the Moscone Center oh, for we could two talk hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd do it for two hours and people would just come and show us their games. And they were usually like, yeah. if not really bad, then just really not there yet. Yeah. And you'd be like unable to really. What do they? What judgment. was it? Was it a, a setup in which you were expected to be, like, if you thought that you were expected to just tell them and and they just, they would benefit from I that? I don't or? know what it was supposed to be. I, I don't Those know. I don't know what the benefit be so is supposed bad to be. If there's no limit as well, because yeah. then you can have someone just 
showing you more and more and hoping like someone going through a portfolio and they just keep going through it Mm. in the hope that at some point you're suddenly going to go oh i mean it was like a meet and greet sort of thing really Mm. but which is fine but then also with the awkwardness of oh and also here's this thing i've made and also like obviously people were hoping that you might like it and cover it and it's like you almost never cover something from that kind of circumstance Mm -hmm. no um but you might it might be on your radar for later you know the best the best case scenario is that someone comes up they're nice you make a a human connection and maybe their game is on your radar for later if it's not terrible yeah but that's very much the um that's the best best case scenario the worst case scenario obviously is what you've just described (laughs) or it's just the worst ever there's a point sometimes where you look at things and you just think as an expert like there's nothing here you've got nothing you should just give up and walk away i'm so happy i don't do that much uh criticism anymore (laughs) i like I yeah, I think I'm much more. But that's why it's not fair because it's like, it's not it's not like if you're a critic, it's not your job to do that. It's yeah. not your job to look at early products and destroy them. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's why people shouldn't do I, that. I have a friend <laughs> who who uh, Eli who edited Touch Arcade for oh, yeah. a decade, and like mm-hmm. he was always saying it was the most awkward thing ever because you get dudes and you know people coming up to you with their phone games yeah, and they, they'd look- just be really bad, and he'd be like, so you, you know, there are, there are hundreds of app games coming out every day. What what has yours got? And frankly. Most of them ain't got much. Mm. And that's, you know, that's a really horrible thing to have to tell someone. Level 99 Knights? Has it got level 99 Knights in it? I oh, just so that was the name of the game then. I was like, no, I was just like, <laughs> was that's like... the thing that all mobile phone <laughs> games have. Yeah. Right. It's got, when the light, Knight is level 50, it gets bigger shoulder pads <laughs> and a I hat. Mo- mobile games are often the ones where I really do see the Matrix code after a while. And I'm like, I've just, there was a game called, I literally can't, isn't that terrible? I can't remember what it's called. It's made by, um, the guy who made Onion Hotel, which is another completely... Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, it's uh, the... Um... Dungeon... Oh, God. I can't remember what it's called, but it's about... I wouldn't even recommend it. I played it for such a long no, time. No, I played and... it for a month, and I regret every minute. The best thing about it. it was the intro music. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a good premise. It was like, guy in his underpants gets fired from his job and decides to make a game in his bedroom. But danger zone. Yeah, it, was, it, had, it had hilarious, like, silly, sort of mid-2000s Japan vibes. Mm-hmm. But it was a dungeon-crawly maze game, and it was so cheap. It was so cheap. And like every, you know, it was, it was just like, get a bigger number, get a better chance, get things that might have slightly bigger. It's all the kind of loot drop. It's just such a like exploitative loop. Yeah, it ended up, it started off being not exploitative at all. Mm. But then by the time you were in after like 10 right. hours, I spent it about like, 20 quid on it. Yeah, I did as well. And, and oh, I regretted it. Yeah, and I kind of, <laughs> it was, uh, I wow, just, interesting that it doesn't start with that. It just it eases you no, in or something. Like, it eases you in by being to, a kind of fun, puzzly, dungeon crawly You don't need situation. to spend money on it for like 10 hours. Oh, maybe but then it does get to the point later on where you kind of need so to spend money because it gets really difficult that but might be one of the worst sentences I've heard you don't need to spend money on this thing until 10 hours in yeah. but the thing is it, it says has so much it has a really light story that is really fun and really right. funny and, and the characters are really funny when it introduces new characters because the story you just want to continue it I, w- I would have loved to have finished that game but I can't afford to <laughs> <laughs> why can't I remember what it was called oh I, I, I mean it had a really stupid name no um, I've got it on my phone still I think. but it was very likeable but yeah, it was just, it was, it's one of many phone games that I've played for about a few days or a week and then been like, oh, that was Dandy a waste of time. Dandy Dungeon. Dandy oh, Dungeon. on my good, phone. And that's, that's just because I don't actually delete things. I'm really bad. I, I, was not, I was not into the idea of playing this at all until I heard the name, which is actually quite appealing. It's, <laughs> I wish it was just like a pay 10 quid and here's a game thing. Right, because it I, be I, Onion Hotel was like that. It was like one ninety nine, And that's a game by the same guy with the same weird ass like vibes mm. and a very strange game that I also played. But I didn't feel bad about spending a week on that. Because I paid my money and it was done. But it was like a kind of shape-matching puzzle game, but really, really odd. Right. <laughs> it was very strange. Right. I'm going to spike this uh, ramble and unusually add into the podcast 
a bit where I talk about a video game I have played. Oh, nice. Let's do it. I've been playing a lot of Hypnospace Outlaw. Shit, oh. yes, um, yes. I love I've Hypnospace heard, Outlaw. Oh, I haven't played it yet, but I've seen... Uh, yeah, people of a certain age seem to absolutely adore this thing. What Can are you, you saying? <laughs> what are you saying? How dare you? Of a star- Excuse me. How the very day. How dare you? I've never been so insulted in all of my life. I think I'm just about in the age. Like, oh, I know. Yeah. You've got to be in the yeah, zone. Like Neopets and like... You had MySpace. AOL didn't you? And MSN. It was so funny the other <laughs> day. You posted, shit, what else do I know about the internet? You posted a picture of you with some students at a university mm-hmm. the other day because you visited, kindly visited a uni in Stoke to give them some help for a course, which is because mm-hmm. you're sweet. But I love the fact that seeing a photo of you and all these people, it's like you never looked more like a grown up. Oh, I know. I got like, yeah, I had You that. had a nice haircut, well shaved, <laughs> well rounded, good skin tone. It's like, oh, let's handsome adult brat and then all of these weird children. And it's not, that, that sounds harsh because they're not weird children. I looked like a weird child when I was 18. I was definitely a weird right. child right up until about 19, 20. Like, yeah, everybody looks like a weird child when they're like 18, 19, I, I uh, broke my glasses and couldn't afford to get new ones. So I sellotape them to my face for about six months when I was yes, 18. Uh, that is yes, incredibly uh, weird. It was, yes, so stu- no. it was so dumb. Like, Just to be clear, nobody in that photo looked as weird as that. I couldn't afford new glasses, oh, man. man. I should have just asked oh. my parents for money. Yeah. Too proud. That's mm. sad. It was anyway, months. Anyway, going back to childhood, yeah, Hypnospace Outlaw. A lot of people have gone mad for it and mm. I think it's because it's magnificent. That's, um, a good, that's a good reason to go mad for something. It's For those of you who have not heard of it, basically it is a kind of year 2000 era bit of fancy of like, imagine an alternate reality in which 1999, the internet is something where you wear headbands and go to sleep. And then during night, instead of sleeping, you kind of dream of this internet space. And it sort of sells itself in the amazing intro to the game as being this like 3D world playland. But actually it's basically like Windows 95 with GeoCity style, terrible web pages being like, hi, my name is David. And this is my page about how much I love like this band <laughs> and it's kind of like MySpace and yeah, all these yeah. things but it, it completely nails not the aesthetic so much entirely like it does nail the aesthetic but it's more that it nails the feeling of the early internet the heart God. and this thing of like odd little pages of people really putting their heart out there like before the internet became the internet was quite a cold place it's quite a harsh place and there are people who are sharing themselves personally but it's it feels like quite a revolutionary act to be genuinely doing that these days because so much of the internet is about authenticity, but it's not. That's bullshit. To actually put out who you are. No Instagram in the world is as authentic as a teenager's MySpace page. Exactly. Yeah. Like that was worse than all that shit. Uh, exactly. And so there's something about <laughs> Hypnospace which is magical because of that, because it's like it's a, it's a small community of people and they've all got their own little space and sometimes they're mean to each other and they've done things on each other's pages or made pages about how they hate somebody. So it's just like a shared, it's a shared like internet space that everyone that is sleeping uses. Yes, you browse yes. it while you're asleep. Okay, got you. But otherwise it's just like the 1990s internet. Okay. Yes, and it's wonderfully replicates that kind of odd uh, aesthetic or style almost, not just pure aesthetic of like 90s programs. Like I had a game called, not a game, a program called Bob, which was basically like a Windows alternative that you'd open up after you're in Windows. So you go into Windows. And as a kid, I thought this was so cool. And in retrospect, it is the lamest thing in the <laughs> right. world. But you'd open Windows and then you'd open Bob. I think it might have been called Virtual Bob. I can't remember. Maybe I've invented that. <laughs> well, this is weirdly like sparking something for me, Virtual Bob. And the way it worked was effectively, you'd open up Windows, then you'd open up Bob. And rather than having a boring old Windows window of just having oh, a no. desktop with icons, 
you'd have a house. Oh my God. And you'd log into your house. Oh my God. And then in each room in your house, you could choose what kind of house you wanted, whether you wanted like a smart office or right. a cool, fun house. And then you have the different rooms and then you would have like, you could put icons, which are shortcuts to programs, uh, but you'd have them on shelves and stuff. So, you'd have <gasps> so it's like, it's that sounds a little bit like like iOS, like how you have like your folders for your different like you you know navigation apps here, but it was like a room in your cool house. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So you go into like <laughs> the like, games. Did room. it have juddering animation room. to try and go between yes. the rooms? So yes. So going between I, them, absolutely essential. You yeah. had like three D animations of moving between things. Sometimes I think maybe I've invented that, but I'm pretty sure it had at least some of that. Um, but the weird thing about it was it wasn't neat. It wasn't like oh here's a shelf and it's completely flat and all the icons are on it it would have like a 3d image of a room and then you would like you'd have to try and line put up. your 2d icons like as if they were on the shelves yeah so this weird idea of like well i want to play this game but rather than just opening it from windows i'd open this program and then go through to my games room and then open it but it had all sorts of other like weird organization stuff but it was all like 3d uh, images and it was complete nonsense but there's a lot of that in hypnospace mm-hmm. of it being like pointless fascias for things like yeah. the fact that it's like you don't just go straight into the page you want you go into the teen zone and then you've got all the teen web pages you can go through but your job is a moderator you're basically a narc in this oh game. no what yeah, so, and it, yeah it's your job to be like removing copyrighted yeah, so, material it means or, you have to really immerse yourself in all the fake internet drama yes and it so you end up just reading about all these different like weird communities and all their beasts with each other and you know because you're looking for illegal file sharing and copyrighted stuff mm-hmm. and harassment and things like this right. and so but you could sometimes it reminds me so strongly of what the internet was really like then because you come across these pages and you knew you weren't supposed to be there mm. you know you come across weird login pages and you're like what's it for <laughs> and then the game it's like a detective game really. yes it is you're solving mysteries and you know when i got my login for the file sharing what you know, like the file sharing network i've rarely been so thrilled mm. when i was playing a game i was about it, it reminds me really, really strongly of when the internet was like this place that you went. Mm-hmm. It was like an adventure zone. Like you would go to the internet and explore it as if it were a real place. You it wasn't, did surf the web. Yeah. Like, yeah it's, it was such a different feeling. Now it's like an omnipresence at the mm-hmm. edge of your senses everywhere all the time. Yeah. And then it was like you went to it and it was a place. That, it really felt like a place. I feel like yeah. the Space Outlaw feels like a place as well. I think it does. I think it's like the, the, the fact that like they've realized this entirely fictional world because it's not just like, ah, it's a daft aesthetic. It's an alternate reality. And it means that there's the level at which they've gone to in terms of recreating an alternate reality is uh, startling and wonderful in the fact that, you know, you've got not just fictional bands, but fictional music genres. And right. like uh, fictional Cool punk forever. Yeah, cool punk, which is like a genre which is like off the oh. back of an advertising campaign for a fictional I think brand. Quinn's was telling me, or maybe, was it one of you guys that was telling me about uh, a, like, someone had invented tennis. Yeah, uh, that someone's uncle invented tennis, about, yeah, but yeah. then uh, it got like ripped off by someone else and now it's Trennis with yeah, like three Trennis players. Is like and, a three, a three player, three yeah. way so, <laughs> triangular game. So it's like somebody basically ripped off tennis, and, and there's somebody who's like, My great uncle invented it this game and they changed people. it. And <laughs> Trennis was supposed to be called tennis, but it looks like it's like a conspiracy theory nut page. Oh, I love that. And but it's there's so much detail like that. And there's so many things where you go, Oh, this is just like this, mm. but of this world. But rather than it feeling like a kind of spoof, uh, it feels believable. Yeah, that's the thing. It doesn't take the piss. No. It really recreates it in all its horrible glory, but without being kind of superficial about it. It's not just like, lol, wasn't it? It's like a dumb thing. There's there's some software in it, like, um, which is basically WinZip, but it's called Sandwich. And it's like the the (laughs) files are like sandwiches. And the idea of like your files have been crushed into a sandwich and you can open up the sandwich. And it's like, 
Yeah, that, that makes was sense. One, that was one of my favorite mysteries, figuring out how to unencrypt sandwich files. Yeah, that was, yeah. It's like a link trail through about nine websites you have to figure out. Yeah, also, it's a game. Typing in these search words, like, oh, it's a bit like uh, her story in that way, that you get a lead and you can type in yeah. a search word and then you might find a new page and be like, ooh. Yeah. But also, there's so much copy in this game. There's so much writing mm. um, that actually what's weird about it is sometimes, yeah, you can just spend hours digging through pages, not finding things. But at the same time, there's, the, there's the mystery ends there. up being so interesting. And like in terms of like the detective work ends up being so non-linear and so unexpected sometimes that like even when you're just browsing around and looking at stuff like it ends up being useful later i had a like, great oh, I had I've a read something about this yeah or like, i had a notebook i had a notebook next to me when i was playing for that reason because i was kind of noting down when i see things like oh, that seems like it might be important later yeah i think i might need to do the same thing because it's starting to get it's starting to get a little tricky now yeah i've, I've stopped playing it for now because it I, well, I need to play Sekiro. <laughs> of course, yeah. But I'm really looking forward to going back to it. It was proper like late night browsing the that, internet like I was wonderful. when I was 12. It's really, really good. It's such a skill to be able to capture the feeling of something rather than just being like, and it wasn't, remember MySpace? It was like in uh, Captain yeah. Marvel, like they, yes. they shoot a, a Nerf gun and then show the, showed the audience like the Nerf logo on the gun yeah. to be like, eh, remember, because you know what this is, don't you? And it's a it's a completely different thing to be able to just get to the the, the feel. It's the not it's not it. that cheap. Like, do you remember this? Nineties kids will remember this nostalgia. Yeah. It's really it really it really goes further than that. That's cool because the thing is that would probably still be successful. There's like, a, a, oh yeah, it would of, still be pretty good. The fact that they went past that is I was, I saw, I saw, I was expecting it to be a gimmick. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, I've been blown away by by what it is. And uh, I mean, like the thing that's really really impressed me um is that the heart of it is really quite special because it's not mean there's a lot about this sort of stuff as well like that we've seen a lot of games that are like retro is a kind of meanness to looking back on it and being like huh, remember we used to think this was cool remember yeah. this yeah. there's nothing about it that's mean it's very much pastiche and very much like oh it reminds you of things you'd forgotten about mm -hmm. but it kind of almost is against the idea of you being mean. And you have scenarios whereby you, you'll often be looking at a web page and you think, oh my God, this person is a complete idiot. And then like... It's almost fond though, because you remember. Yeah, but then like you'll almost be like, oh, this person's an idiot or this person seems kind of awful. And then you'll read something and you'll realize like it's actually quite sad. Like you, you'll see something humanizing about them in the details. You'll be like, oh... Actually, I feel I actually feel bad for like being mean about this person or even the fact that like there's a dumb thing early on where there's like some teenage boys who have some beef with each other and you like you start seeing these pages and they hate each other. And like it's clearly like they're banhammering them for harassment. the whole Yeah, time. Yeah, right. yeah, you're banning them for harassment because they're making like websites about each other and being like cruel and mean to each other. But then like one of them is like this nerdy kid who hates this other kid who's like a cool kid mm -hmm. with like, you know, a gelled quiff and all this stuff. And a girlfriend. And a girlfriend. Who Gosh. has her own page about how great he is. Nice. Yeah. And like this guy, you know, this this cool kid, like you seem like, oh yeah, he seems mean and the other guy's all right. But then you realize after a while, like through other things going through, you're like, no, they're both idiots and they're both awful, but they're awful in different ways. And there's a lovely bit where you get a thing from this girl being like, these guys are both harassing me. And it's like the two guys that hate each other. This girl is thinks they're both harassing her. But the difference is one of them's like, Excuse me, madam, you do realize you're being incredibly rude by not replying to my messages here. Like, right. have you never been taught manners? I'm just trying to engage you in conversation. Whereas then the other guy is being like, what's up? Mm -hmm. What's up? You, I want to... Fuck you, bitch. Yeah, fuck you, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, and it's like this idea that like, it reminded me again. It's like the fact that it's willing to turn the camera and be like, no, it's not even going to engage with that early internet thing of like, oh, screw jocks. It's, it's showing, it's shining like quite clear on the fact like both these teenage boys yeah. are awful. Yeah. They're just different, different kinds, kinds of, of awful. awful. Yeah. I saw a hypnospace outlaw take on Twitter that enraged me where someone who 
I presume they just must have been about 20, mm-hmm. but they were like, oh, it's just, I can't, it's just so ugly. Like, why have they made it so ugly? Oh, there's no. all these weird gifts everywhere and like there's no. loads of spelling mistakes and the formatting's all odd. Like, and it's so unpleasant to use. Like you have to like physically <laughs> close a program before you can open another one. There's no like alt tabbing. And I was like, but that's what it was. Like. That's almost like, the thing is what you just said there, that is a great review of the game. I know. Like without realizing. Wrong. They're yeah. not wrong. Because like if you if you wrote all that, I, I would read it and be like, oh shit, okay, that's, I want to play that. I they really, have, I want to play. Like, mechanically, they've done such an incredible job of like, of recreating the weird, how weird desktop. it was to use computers. Yeah. My, my partner looked to me, I, I kind of talked about, I was like, can you believe this thread on Hypnospace? And he's like, oh, now you understand what it's like for me <laughs> when you shit all over 80s games that you know nothing about. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, what, what I love is the fact that it takes that like mechanical expectation and plays as well it does some stuff that is incredibly neat in terms of like and i won't spoil it but as it goes it's it takes your expectations your understanding of of the technical kind of nostalgia and does stuff with it that's really weird and really interesting and really really funny it's mechanically funny and not just the writing and i think the final thing i'd personally say on it and i'm sure kez has some more thoughts as well is that um it's Oh no, it's completely gone. You go. (laughs) It reminded me of something I completely forgotten existed ever, which was desktop assistance. Yes. You know, you download like dot X's and Mm -hmm. there'd be some, I had a, I had a purple gorilla on my desktop for months. I I couldn't figure out how to get rid of him. (laughs) Yeah. He'd be like, Hey, it looks like you need some help. You can never ask the desktop assistant how to get rid of the desktop assistant. How do I erase you? (laughs) It's it's possibly difficult to to remove them. And also all the, all the kind of terrible malware stuff. Like my brother was not very internet savvy. And I, I was, I was like, uh, I was, and he wasn't. And so he was always downloading these like, sh- like LimeWire files that were not what they purported to be and stuff like that. And, um, you know, so the, our computer, our family computer was always just infested with this malware oh. and then like, it can happen. It's in w- weird. I, I feel some nostalgia for that. Annie, um, has mostly used uh, a Mac for, uh, that's the, my partner in people make games mostly uses, um, a Mac when she, she works and has recently like switched over to the PC. And the other day I saw her like realized that she'd had a first adware installed on, on the PC. <laughs> and like, I genuinely like, I, that's our cake. I was, it was great. It was, it was get wonderful to relive that. Get adware downloading right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that was, that was she was like, uh, uh, to get rid of this stuff, like all these programs to down that say they'll get rid of it. Just look kind of dodgy. I'm like, yeah. yes, no, you're right. <laughs> but that, that's the thing. Cause you're an enforcer. You have to investigate the dodgy stuff. Right. Like you can't just be like, that looks dodgy as hell. I'm not going to download that. You have to be like, what happens if I, and then you'll get this like really gross virus that just puts up hideous images all the time uh, or like stupid pop-up ads, or it'll make your, it'll make your, um, your screen just sway. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was basically that was the final point I want to make is that I find it incredibly liberating as a, as a child who was always uncharacteristically sensible. Um, although I did once break our family computer by trying to get it to run the game Creatures and I made some modifications in DOS, which meant our computer then stopped working completely. But Creatures ran um, <laughs> um, was uh, the fact that like it allows you to do all the things you know you're not supposed to do. It's basically an oh, entity okay. designed where mm. like you, you know things follow up and it's like click here and it's the sort of thing where on the internet you're like there's no way i'm gonna click yeah that. God, like, but in this you're like let... i'm clicking there because wow, there's no risk yeah. like, and it means you can completely screw everything up you can completely riddle your computer with viruses and all this stuff but it's all part of the game and it's all fixable and sometimes you have to do it as kez said even the fact that even though technically you are an arc and you are like looking for dodgy things you can always download it first 
for yourself. Nice. Like when there's pirated songs, if you listen to it and you like the sound of it, you can download that whole album and, the, the songs, and, then, and then delete it. <laughs> yes. oh, wow. And the songs, the songs when you download them, they play in this really lame, like really slim media, media player. player nice. like Windows, oh, with a skin. Yeah, yeah, you can download skins for your media player. Uh, it's, it's funny because yeah. I, I do wonder whether someone who isn't like within the five-year range of us would understand it, like would play it and think it was interesting or fun. Yeah, it's even I, though it's it, I, don't, I don't know. It would just be a very different kind of experience, wouldn't it? You you could yeah. you could enjoy some of the ideas, but I you wouldn't you have went into that it thing like to... as if it's a time capsule. Like if you said to someone, mm. "Hey, play this." This is basically, in some ways, almost exactly like what the internet was like. But mm. then, if you didn't have the memories of what it was like, and you couldn't like relate it back to those late nights when you were fourteen on the weird internet, would you just think it was dumb? Maybe it is dumb. I mean, it is dumb. <laughs> but then I think almost like if you look at it now and you, the thing that I find interesting about Hypnospace is the fact that you've got all of these pages of people just doing stuff that if you look at it now, you're like, this is a joke. Yeah. Like, you know, there's, there's pages of mothers who've, who've set up uh, like pages to mem- for memorials for like their dead child or whatever. And it's like spinning 3D GIFs of crosses and, and angel animations and like playing this terrible MIDI of like mute church music. And you probably look at that as like a 20 year old and be like, oh my God, this is like a crude joke. Yeah. When actually it's like, that stuff was out there. Mm-hmm. Like you'd find that stuff all the time. I got stuck on the Christian internet for a while. I remember when about 2001 or 2002, um, I got like you saved your time. <laughs> I was fascinated by it because again, it was all like weird gifts of crosses and all like revelations quotes and sort of fire, like oh, really yeah, bad fire yeah. animations. I was I was so interested in it. I'd already figured out I didn't believe in God by then, but I was like just so fascinated by this. And there was it was all very conspiracy theorist stuff as well. And you get like right really deep into the into the yep. Christian internet weeds, and there was just such weird stuff on there. <laughs> and uh, I love the Hypnospace app. It has its own Christian internet as well. Oh, that's great. It probably seems like it's over the top, and actually, it's just ridiculously on the yeah, nose. Yeah, that, that might be the that might be what people feel if they play. They're like, oh, okay, I get well, what they're doing, but this I mean, is I, a bit much. Like pages take ages we, to load, and yeah. they're like spinning letters. And sometimes you load a page, and it just takes ages to load because it's just full of way too much yeah. stuff. I remember the, uh, the, 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 uh, oh no, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. I've forgotten it. <laughs> it happens to the best of us. Yeah. It really does. It's tough. As, this is, I, this is the most, uh, wonderful conversation about a game from like the, the about the nineties. And as you're remember. trying to say stuff, you're like, ah, oh, no, I can't. <laughs> Oh, come think, back to me. <laughs> for me, uh, you know, I've also been playing an awful lot of uh, Sunless Skies over oh, the past. Yeah, I'm just about to delve into that. Uh, which is wonderful. And I think if you're on the fence with that, um, I'd say that it mechanically fixes all sorts of things that made Sunless Sea a bit of an unpleasant slog at times. I really like the writing and I feel like the world is much more consistent. Mm-hmm. Sunless Sea felt like lots of interesting little bubbles um, of weird stories that didn't really mesh together. Whereas this feels like a much more cohesive, believable world. Um, and yeah, it's, it's wonderful. I really like it. Cool. I'm going to, I'm going to be playing, uh, that with feel better at res. So I'm, I'm just about to properly delve into it and make sure I don't sound like a plunker when I'm yeah, doing the, that. The one thing I can't work out about it is how best to play it. It's one mm-hmm. of those games that doesn't quite choose a lane. And the fact that now you don't have to play it as a permadeath Perma game, thing, yeah. you can just play it as a, like one save game, but there seem to be pros and cons for both. Like, okay. like there's, I think it's one of those weird things where Quinns has been playing it with the save game of just like, I'm not doing permadeath. I'm just going to reload when I die and has some things about it that he feels like don't quite like, he feels like some mild thing of going, Oh, I feel I should have played like that. And I've done the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like if you respect your time, it's probably best not to do the permadeath thing. Some quests uh, don't completely reset after death and continue. And there are some elements in the world which don't reset between deaths, but not that much. I really and struggle you do not to end click up, the permadeath box when it's I there. I wouldn't recommend it. 
Actually, right. after like 20 okay. hours of playing, because the problem is you have some plot lines, particularly plot lines with um, crew members, whereby if you don't finish that plot line before you end up dying, mm-hmm. um, you then have to restart it again. And you just end up like, I've been caught into like doing these basically fetch quests like three or four times. You're kind of stuck basically reading the first two chapters of a book. Yeah, I am. And I'm like, yeah. I shouldn't be in this area anymore. I should go and explore a new area. But I'm like, no, but I want to finish. I want to see the last bit. And mm-hmm. the thing is, you won't even get that much story from it. It'll be like another paragraph of text. But completionist in me wants to read the whole story so i'd recommend not doing it but okay. um it's a fabulous game but um yeah i'd say that basically it's good it's real good but hypnospace and Oberdin, which i think uh, i've I, talked about on yeah this. I, I i absolutely adore it Oberdin might be something to talk about in the future because cool. i think those two games are um are the two games i've played in the past year that have just blown me Oberdin's away Oberdin's the one of the most like uh, we're talking about that earlier on where you, you mentioned like Wind Waker helped reignite your passion for games. I um, I don't really get it with Nintendo as much for some reason, um, but Oberdin really was one of those moments for me. I needed that game, it turned out. I, I think, think I did as well. It the, the Witness was mind. one for me. I remember I was, oh, bit, yeah. I was in a bit of a dip when The Witness came out and The Witness just loved it. I didn't like that at all. Really? Rub me up right wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I just one of those games where I played it for about two hours and thought, Oh fuck off, Jonathan! <laughs> <laughs> I completely, I completely sympathise. I can with completely that. see why people like it as well. Or I people just, love I it, just, but... it reminded me of Mist really strongly. Well, I didn't like just that. Just the complete opaqueness of everything. Right. You finally figure something out and just feel like you, it didn't even feel like you were very clever. It just felt like you'd had some kind of divine inspiration. You know, like someone had, some fairy had whispered the answer <laughs> in your ear. Some, it's not even about being clever enough. It's just about having the right idea. Right. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, Oberdin Picked is up a bunch of BAFTA nominations. Oberdin. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah, it's it's awesome marvelous. I, it's, year, I was yeah, quite pretty sure. I was going to be on the um the panel for best game, and Oberdim was the one that I I was absolutely going to go all out on, and I had to skip it. So I feel I if that game does not win best game now, it'll be I'm your gonna, fault. I'm going to feel like uh, maybe I could have helped. <laughs> <laughs> I think it deserves to definitely. I, I the one thing I'd say about Oberdim, which I found really interesting, is the fact that there were some people people after I, I completely finished it got the final bit mm-hmm. and there were people going ah, it kind of feels like a shame that and you know this is not a huge spoiler but it kind of feels like a shame like you do you end up feeling like you've had to do a lot of work to a hundred percent the game yeah and then you do unlock a final bit of story for doing that but i think lots of people were expecting that final bit of story to be like a huge revelation yeah like to be like a massive finale mm-hmm. when actually what i found interesting about it was the the finale unlocked was actually slightly underwhelming. But I realized after thinking about it for a little while, actually, it's one of the games I've played, one of the few games I've played that actually more closely resembles a radio play or a book. And the fact that really you have not unlocked the ending, you have unlocked the epilogue. Yeah. It's like a little addendum that kind of ties some stuff up, kind of rounds it off, but doesn't necessarily like, it's not the ending. (laughs) Like the ending is the ending. Mm -hmm. And then you do that. But it's funny how, how people who play video games are, are so trained to be like, yeah, but I did all of the stuff. I want the best thing now. Like you've done a hundred percent of the work. Now you get the best thing. And it's like, no, it's not the best thing. It's just, it's just another little thing. I just, I've just been reminded that uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 has its own epilogue, but it's like eight hours long or something. It's so, long. <laughs> it's so long. And you spend loads of it like hammering fence posts into the ground. <laughs> That's not an epilogue. Cows. <laughs> Honestly. That's not an epilogue. It's basically just a chance to do more of the game, mm-hmm. yeah. really, because it's like you probably didn't know what was going to happen at the end of this video game, so here's a chance to play it more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's like it's basically their way of saying it's over now. You can go home whenever you like. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Like the I credits did, are rolling. You I can did, finish I, your drinks, but <laughs> I did absolutely rinse Red Dead Two though. Like I, I, played, oh, yeah, I did every saying, single mm. thing I wanted to do in that game, including the entire epilogue. Right. <laughs> I remember just being what there was a point when I was hammering fence posts, thinking, "Why am I doing?" I this? stopped halfway I through. I, was I done. didn't through the epilogue. I um, yeah, I don't know. I, just, I did take a big break. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't found the time to check it out, and I don't know, and I will. It just seems like I such think a it's, huge it's a very thing. it's a huge time commitment. Mm-hmm. And so a, a good friend of mine bounced right off it when it came out, and I was like, "Oh, that's so sad," because I, I really, really love it. And uh, I was kind of trying to explain to him, like, you know, it's it's kind of its place. You have to just give yourself over to yeah. it for a while and yeah, that, that's, that's so. too much to ask for some people it's totally fine mm. but he started it again in january and now he's he's got it like mm-hmm. he's in there and it's so nice to to see him like because he sees he sees he sees in it what i see in it yeah it's so nice to see someone on a second attempt just like find what i really is. feel like i would see it as well i just i i just don't have the time like it's just a huge thing like I, i've got I, i'm much more enticed by small things now because i find it hard to find the time to actually squeeze in that many games yeah same for me to be honest most of the time but because uh, i was reviewing red dead i had an excuse to play it for a week for work and then after that it was just evenings for about two months yeah. laptop stuff is great or switch stuff is great because i spend a lot of time now it's train time train to brighton <laughs> i'm like oh i'm gonna play a bit of sun and sea <laughs> i love or... my train time i love it i have a friend who does a four-day commute like from brighton to london and I quit my job when I had to do that because it was just un- un- intolerable. But mm-hmm. now that you have the switch, now that I have the switch and children, you're like, oh, I would, uh, wouldn't mind <laughs> a little. Four hours that. a day, <laughs> yeah. four hours a day of like Zelda if, time. If you're off peak, it's brilliant. Yeah. But yeah. otherwise, yeah. But um, yeah, I, I find these things quite fascinating, and I think like I, I do love the idea of, of Red Dead. It's just the it's thing. Just... The thing I liked about Red Dead is it doesn't have all the stuff that you like. Grand Theft Auto has a lot of stuff that you have to kind of tolerate. Or that you that I, I personally find uncomfortable or just eye rolly in order to, to get the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Red Dead doesn't have nearly so much of the stuff that you're like, ew. Yeah, I think that's fair. And also, like, it's not as juvenile. In, um, but Grand Theft Auto is in many ways extremely juvenile, which is part of its appeal. But yeah. Red, Red, Red Dead isn't, and I'm a pretentious wanker, so I'm totally happy with, <laughs> with the absence of juvenility. is great done. for me. Job done. <laughs> uh, but Oberdin, yeah. Of the two games we've talked about, I think Hypnospace and Oberdin, I think, cool, if you've I'm, not checked them out. I'm going to... Definitely take a look at Hypnospace. For all the, for, for, despite the fact that I just said of a certain age, like <laughs> I totally, the moment you started talking about it, I was, I'm all about that. An MP3 player with a nice skin. That's what it's, it's what all about. It's, it's also, it's a it's detective game. It's a detective game set on the early internet in the same way as Oberdin is a detective game. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. The two games. People talk about yeah, games not things. holding your hand, but like, yeah, I, I, it starts off quite simple and quite easy. Um, but I've just got to the point now where it's like, this is tricky. And as, space, man. Yeah. You could be talking about either game. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, like uh, Oberdin as well. I yeah. found that like, I couldn't believe it when I got to the end of Oberdin mm-hmm. because I was like, well, I've got half the book to fill in, in terms yeah. of details, but I'll work that out later. And then mm-hmm. it's like, that's it. Yeah. That's the game. And I was like, but, but how the but hell it, am it I supposed to work be. out? Yeah. yeah. It's like, I've hardly, I've got so much stuff I don't know yeah. yet. And then really having to just go by and mull it in. And I found like a radio drama. I found mm-hmm. it just closing my eyes. The fact that it doesn't have any cutscenes in it in Oberdin, yeah. the fact that it just has black screens with with text saying what the characters are saying mm-hmm. and then the audio of yeah, punctuates the it with scenes. The music. And you can hear the creaks of the wood and people walking around and the sea outside and the fact that like you can almost like close your eyes and just listen to it and visualize the characters and like, exactly work out what happened and who they were and what their relationships are i really like with the you mentioned that the so you'll get like a little bit of text something that someone's just said or you'll hear something in on that black screen before you get to see the scene and walk around it yeah that's in like the millisecond before what you're about to experience and so sometimes you have to like figure out okay well i've just heard something but where where, where was that in the scene and 
Ah, uh, yeah, you're like who? Who? So like, well, sometimes it's like somebody has shot this guy, but who was it? Yeah. Why? Mm-hmm. Like, you're trying to unpiece it and trying to just slowly put together the like the relationships of the people, and it's just it's incredible that it works so well. Yeah. Like, the amount of times in that game, I was like, I think just from this like frozen like 3d panorama of a scene mm-hmm. where somebody died because they're always just static that you can walk around and look at them yeah yeah like i think that this this person had a really close relationship to this person yeah and like and then you on that basis alone you make an assumption and you're correct and yeah. it's like this is so so cool but yeah that's that's a fantastic detective game and hypnospace as well it's just it's really interesting it's very lateral um and it's odd how like you get emails basically you've got an email client and usually at the point where you feel like, in the early game anyway, we feel like, what am I supposed to be doing? Or I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. You get an email and it'll be like, okay, and it'll give you some direction. But I've just got to the point now where I keep being like, maybe in a minute I'll get another email. And it's like, <laughs> nah, you just got to work this out on your own. Right, it's yeah. like, but I don't know what to do. <laughs> I kind of fudged one of the early cases. I sort of accidentally found the page and figured out, like, you know, it was just, it was just luck. Uh-huh. And then much, much later on in the game, I was following a really complex trail to something. And eventually, like, at the end of this trail, there was this encrypted file, and I figured out how to de-encrypt the file. And basically, the file was the answer to the puzzle I'd already done. And I was like, "Oh, I just been ha- that would have been oh, so rewarding if yeah. I hadn't like just guessed that one." Basically, <laughs> come across it by luck. Still, cool, cool that it it has that kind of playground element to it, where you that is something you can do. Oh yeah, like you, if you know, it has if a you, little bit of that. Like if, you can sometimes. You, like stumble into something you feel like you weren't meant to get yet um which is yeah and also uh, yeah you can just mess around Mm -hmm. i do find it there's older games used to do this a lot but when you know you get somewhere before you're supposed to be there or you figure something out quicker than you're supposed to and it's just like a complete roadblock yeah like sorry you need to do this the way that we've planned for you to do it yeah that's it red dead (laughs) (laughs) that's what i mean that's honestly i find with all rockstar games they're they're like like, hey this is well we can do anything go anywhere hey don't do that hey they're not they're not puzzle games but yeah Yeah. if you have that Mm -hmm. situation where you're like you've just not taken the the desired route through Mm -hmm. the missions and you're like why do i keep failing Mm -hmm. yeah like it's such it's so weird how the games that they build around those worlds are like the antithesis of what they've made and it really kind of annoys me that like like everyone's always like this is amazing it's like it's not like it's really frustrating for someone like me where it's like You've worked really hard on the mission. It's like, oh, you didn't park the car in the same right place. Mission failed. Yeah, you, like, you are supposed are you to just. Me? I love when, I think it was five, wasn't it, where they introduced the just skip this mission mm-hmm. button. If you fail a few times, you just said, do you want to just not do yeah. it? You're not, I think like, that was not, a bit of an admission right, to me. Like, yeah. just, <laughs> do you want to just not? Get Mario to do it. <laughs> Put the body in the trunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's of really branching out. I think it's yeah. great. <laughs> Anyway, uh, should we wrap it up there? Sounds good. Uh, you've been listening once again to the Darth Souls podcast, a uh, podcast which may never have a format and may just forever be right. rambling, but that's fine. Okay. Uh, life Jeez. is too short <laughs> to really get bothered by this. And we'll be back in the future mm-hmm. with more. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I, was, I wasn't sure if you were going to say goodbye cute. first. Or then goodbye. We would say, goodbye. <laughs> Keswick, please. You're sorry. You're supposed to say goodbye, all right? (laughs)